Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the idea of following Jesus Christ. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the very idea of maybe at times we should quit calling ourselves Christians calling us, and start calling ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. Because the problem with just being a Christian is that everyone claims to be one, right? No matter where you go, are you a Christian? Of course I am. But what does that mean? How has it changed their life? How, how are they living any differently because they claim to be a Christian? And uh, probably more specifically, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And I hope that in the last couple weeks, as we start talking about this, maybe your mind's been open to the idea of truly not just saying it, but living it out in our lives and uh, truly be what we claim to be in our hearts and in our lives outwardly as well. Um, as we continue down this line, last week we talked about being open to following the Holy Spirit's leading in various areas of our life. And I want to continue on that subject this morning for a little bit. Um, I come across a verse this week in Job 33, verse 14. It says, For God speaks time and again, but a person may not notice it. A person, or for God speaks time and again, but a person may not notice it. And it really caught my attention just for a moment as I was looking at verses and listening to the Holy Spirit and to listen to the voice of God and what God would have us to do, what God would have us to be, where God would have us to go, what God would have us to say, and being led by the Spirit in many aspects of our lives. And coming across this verse, for God speaks time and again. God is speaking. He's very clear about this. God does speak. But he goes on to say, but a person may not notice it. Why don't people notice it? Why don't they know that God is around us and he's, he's guiding and he's directing and he's leading and they just are oblivious to what may be happening in their lives? I think there are a lot of reasons, but I think the biggest part of it is there's so many distractions. So many distractions. I want to talk about that just for a moment, and I want to illustrate that just for a moment. So if you're part of the skit that I have planned for this morning, go ahead and come up here just for a moment. Now I want you to think just for a moment, maybe you're part of that, part of that group that from time and again says, boy, I, I want to listen to God's voice. I, I want to do what's right. I want to go where God wants me to go. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be who God wants me to be. But there's just so many distractions. Sometimes it goes something like, this. What is wrong with you? Why can't you do your job the way you're supposed to? You didn't show up. You didn't get it done on time. You look bad to everybody else that I'm supposed to report to, but you didn't do what you're supposed to do. Look at me. Look at my eyes. I love you. I made you. You are mine. That's what it seems like at times. You guys should be seated. Thank you. Has anybody ever felt that way before? So many voices. So many distractions. So many people vying for a piece of who you are, what you have to offer. You got the guy at work saying, why can't you just do your job the way I want you to do it? Got a spouse saying, you're worthless. Why can't you do what you say you're going to do? You made a commitment. Maybe a child saying, dad, you promised. Mom, you promised. Over and over, we're distracted by voices. For God speaks time and again, but a person may not notice it. 
You see, I don't believe the solution to hearing better is not for God to speak a little louder. I mean, did, was it really that as Mike representing the, the voice of God coming in, that he was overpowering everyone else and got a little bit louder? Hey, Ken! No, it wasn't that. You see, what made me look to the voice of God was the fact that I saw him and I did what? I went close to him. The solution is not to scream a little bit louder. God shouldn't have to scream louder to get our attention. Right? But when we hear, and when we look at each other face to face, and we draw close to what does God's word promise us? If we draw nigh unto God, God will what? Draw nigh unto us. I don't need God to scream louder in my face. He's already there. What I need to do is turn my attention and my focus towards him and how often we let all the other things those voices distract us from what the holy spirit and what god is trying to do in our lives there are so many distractions but can i just say this and this week it's been an interesting challenge to be obedient to walk where god wants you to walk to do what god wants you to do to say what god wants you to say we started asking this question last week. Oh, how do I know it's God, not just my own imagination? Well, first of all, let me just give you a couple of things here. In John chapter 8 and verse 47, this is a familiar passage. He says, the one who is from God, what's the word? Listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you're not from God. So what's the very first principle? I have to be a child of God if I want to hear God's voice. Say, so, well, that's a duh statement. It really is. But you have to be a child of God if you want to hear God's voice. That's where it starts. Do you know Him? Are you walking with Him? Are you in fellowship with Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? That's where it starts. And then in John chapter 10, I've read this before. I'm just going to highlight a couple of verses. Verses 27 and 28. He says this, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I've used the illustration over and over over the years of a sheep farm up in Canada called Eagly Sheep Farm. There, were one, there was one particular pen where there were probably two or three hundred sheep in it. And they had a, a modern-day shepherd who was blowing a whistle a certain way and, you know, from his lips, and without, not a mechanical whistle, but just with his lips, he'd whistle one way, and they'll go this way. He'd whistle another way, they go this way. He'd whistle again, and they went away from him. They'd whistle again, and they come towards him. They, it was absolutely amazing to watch this demonstration. But I noticed something right away. All around that pen were all kinds of kids. You know what all those kids were doing? They were trying to get the sheep to do what they wanted them to do. They were kind of you know, whistling and everything else, trying to get the sheep to do what they wanted them to do. But you know what? The sheep only listened to the voice of one. They knew their shepherd's voice. And that's what it's saying here. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. It goes on to say, and a stranger they'll not follow. 
when we are truly walking in fellowship with Jesus Christ and we have a relationship with him, we'll be less interested in following the things of the world and more interested in following the things of God. But it starts with having a relationship with him. And if you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship, that's where it starts. That's the most important decision that any one of us could ever make. Back in the book of Psalms, a, very, a couple of very familiar passages, but the first one in Psalm 46 and verse 10, it says this. It says, stop your fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted um, on the earth. Um, it's not the verse I wanted. 46 and verse, well, lost it. Excuse me. Well, Psalm 37, 7. In Psalm 37, verse 7, it says, Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. What's the idea behind being silent before the Lord? Being silent. Taking the time to listen to the voice of the Lord. Are we often silent or are we too busy doing what we want to do? Are we just wanting to take time to slow down? If we're not careful, we can get so busy, so wrapped up in the next thing on the list that we need to get done. Are we willing to be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him? Do not be agitated by the one who prospers in His way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Just be silent. Are we willing to wait, slow down, and stop? So, so often we have this question, well, how do I know it's what, what, what God is telling me to do? How do I know it's the voice of the Lord speaking and not just my own imagination? I think there are a couple of tests that we can give. How do I know if God is speaking? In 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, it's a familiar verse. He says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Are we willing to test the origin of what is being said to us? Is it from the Lord? Is it found in Scripture? Will Scripture corroborate what is being said to me to do, to be? And if it's not in Scripture, we have to check twice. Try the spirits. Test the spirits. Are they of God or are they of man? And I think part of that is comparing Scripture with Scripture. God will never tell you to do something contrary to Scripture. Do you get that? God's never going to tell you to do something contrary to Scripture. And be leery of people who say, well, God told me this, and it's something totally out there. Because God's Word will validate truth. In Titus chapter 1, another important principle here. Titus chapter 1, verse 2 says this In hope of eternal life, that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Anything that he tells us to do will not go against his very nature. Anything that he tells us to do will not go against the very nature of who he is. So if God is telling us to do something, 
We need to make sure that what is said is in sync with scriptural principle. And I think sometimes we need to ask this question, what will be the result if I do what I'm thinking I should do? Is it personal gain or is it corporate gain? Oftentimes, if it's for personal, corporate, or personal gain versus corporate gain, I think we need to check twice. We had one of my professors in Bible college years ago used to always say, if I let you do this, how's it going to affect you? How is it going to affect the student body? Because if it's for you, I think we need to check twice. If it's for everybody and the good of all, then let's think about it. Is what God's telling me to do, or what I believe the Holy Spirit is telling me to do, good for me personally, or is it good for the, the whole? Make sure what it says is in sync with scriptural principle. We need to be careful who we listen to. As we demonstrated in the skit, there are so many voices. Who do you listen to? What is it that God is telling you to do? What is it that God is telling you to be? Where is it that God is telling you to go? I think we need to be careful. Turn your Bibles back to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Verses 18 through 20. It says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. But the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die. Wow. So he says, make sure you're listening to the right person. Make sure that what you're hearing is truly from God and not from another false prophet. And let me just say this once again, there are false prophets everywhere. So many. Uh, we were having a conversation the other day about what was taking place in TV evangelism. Guys bringing in 60, 80, 100 million dollars a year, literally. And they're just speaking false truth, which is almost an oxymoron, but it's false. It's not truth. And yet they have a following. Make sure you don't listen to something that's not true. Make sure you know truth from error. But he says the person who speaks, they must be put to death. So in other words, God takes it pretty serious that you speak the truth and listen to the truth and respond to truth, act upon truth. So when the Holy Spirit's guiding and directing us, we have to ask, is it truth? You've heard the illustration before, but how do I know truth from error? Oftentimes it's been illustrated with money, counterfeit money. Um, I've been told, I don't know this from firsthand experience, but I've been told that how do we know fake money from real money? I've been told that they give real money to the tellers and they are told to play with it and get the feel of it and know, what, know, what it, know how it responds to different touches and so forth, but they know the truth from the false because they know the truth, the one that is real so well. I think it's no different with our relationship with God. When we spend time with God and spend time in his word, that becomes what we know is right. That becomes what we know is true. And when we're in this book so much, and somebody else poses something else that is, eh, we ought to be able to just say, there's a flag there. 
I know the truth so well that this doesn't sound right. Let me get back in the Word and compare. Let me just say there's no shortcuts for that. There's no shortcuts for that at all. To take time in God's Word is important. And if we're not doing that, we need to be doing that. Over in Galatians chapter 1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. <clears throat> says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what you have, we have preached to you, a curse beyond him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, a curse beyond him. What's he saying here? Make sure that the gospel that you're listening to is the gospel found in the word of God. Once again, a lot of voices, a lot of distractions, a lot of different things that people are pointing down on us. And we need to know the truth. So, we need to be careful who we listen to. And we need to listen to God's voice. And then we see that in Exodus chapter 19, if you would turn there. Exodus chapter 19. And beginning with verse 4. says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. He says, listen, if you will listen to me, I don't know about you, but once again, it's not the idea of getting louder and louder and louder. If one of your, if your spouse is on the second floor and you're down in the basement and you're screaming, I don't know about you, but I found that if you scream a little bit louder, it usually still doesn't work. At some point, there has to be movement. One or the other has to move. But what I found in life is that it's not the one God who's the one who's moving. It's usually us. Are we willing to take the step towards God? Are we willing to meet him where he's at? Are we willing to submit to his following or his leadership and follow him? But he makes it very clear here. You have seen what I did. Now, if you'll carefully listen to me and keep my covenant. So what's he saying here? Now, not just listening, but there's obedience associated to the listening. You see, if all I do is listen, but don't do, what good is it? So listening and obedience goes hand in hand. So I think this is where the church fails at times throughout life. We hear what God's saying. Sometimes we do draw close and we say, God, what are you wanting to do? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? And we're willing to do that until we realize that it's going to take some faith or until we realize that I don't really have all the skills that I think I need to do it. Can I just say, as I've said over and over again, it's not about you. It's not about your skills or the lack thereof. It's not about your abilities or the lack thereof. It's about obedience. Second Chronicles 16, For the eyes of God run to and fro throughout the whole earth to do one thing, to show himself strong in him whose heart is perfect towards him. 
So it's God saying, I'll work through you if you will let me. Isn't that awesome? Seriously, isn't that awesome? That means I don't have to be good. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know everything that I'm doing. What I have to do is be obedient. And God says, I will show my strength through you. I will work through you. That takes all the pressure off me. I don't know about you, but there's certain skills I don't think I have. There's a lot of things that I think if I were to sit and contemplate it, I, I, I wouldn't do it because I'm not good enough. Maybe you feel that way. But I know that God is powerful enough. And I'm amazed at what he does when we let him work through us. If we will let him work through us. So the idea is here, he says, if you will listen carefully and keep. That means I have to do. I have to be obedient. <coughs> and when I do that, God says, I will work. I will show myself strong. I'll do what it takes. So are we willing to listen to God's voice? And then over in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 10. It says, When you obey the Lord your God by keeping his commands and statutes that are written in this book of the law and return to him with all your heart and all your soul, this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is, not in, it is not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. And it is not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart so that you may follow it. See, what God asks us to do is often right oftentimes right in front of us. Sometimes we're waiting for that mysterious, and I used to hear it all the time when I was younger as a youth pastor, well, if God calls me, then I will. There are certain things you don't need to pray about. Obeying God is one of them. Walking in fellowship with Him is one of them. Spending time in prayer is one of them. Reading the Word of God is one of them. I don't need to pray about those things. How does God want to use you? What is the still, still small voice of God telling you to do? Where is he telling you to go? In reference to walking in obedience to him. We're sometimes waiting for this mysterious call that is never going to come. He says, if it's up in heaven, well, who's going to go get it? If it's across the sea, who's going to go over there? If it's over there, who's going to? It's right in front of you. If we're willing to take the time and read it. Remember, it's all about the relationship. I can have all the voices attacking me, drawing for a piece of who I am and what I'm trying to do. Or I can face the one that's most important, God himself, and say, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be who you want me to be. I want to go where you want me to go. Am I willing to do that? And God says, when you do that, I'll bless but when we continually do our own thing, well, how can we expect God's blessing in that? We're to choose to follow. So God speaks time and again, but a person may not notice it. How do I notice it? By drawing close to God, by focusing on Him. And the question is, are you doing that? 
Or are you letting the things of the world distort the view? You see, every day it's a choice. I talked about a week or two ago about the gold pen, and, and it's been replaced, by the way, with the purple gold Vikings pen. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, so, Romans 8. They that mind the things of the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. They that mind the things of the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. What's it saying? Every day I need to make a choice to set my mind right in front of me on the things of God and to be committed to listening to that voice and no other voice. Because it's really loud sometimes. In fact, it's screaming loud at times. Everybody wants a peace. But where will you set your mind? Where will you choose to focus? How will you choose to let God use you? I'm absolutely convinced that God has something in store for all of us. If you'll let him work through you. I'm absolutely convinced that God will lead you if he knows you're willing to follow. I'm absolutely convinced that God will speak to you if you will listen. And the only way to do that is to draw close. But when we don't, it's our own fault. I don't know where you're at. But I know that we all need to take a step in listening to God. Listen to what he wants to do through us. Through the word, through the circumstances. And someone else asked a question this week. Well, how do I know that, how else does God speak? This is the primary way. We're going to talk more about it in the next few weeks, but this is the primary way that God speaks to us. But you know that God also speaks through other people? God speaks through circumstances? God speaks through daily tragedies? God speaks through a various, very, very many different ways. But the question is, when I am experiencing those circumstances, the number one question is this. What is it that God's trying to teach me? What is God trying to do in my life through these? What is God trying to say to me through these circumstances? You see, we talked about this a little bit Thursday night. As I go through life, we, and maybe you're in this boat too, we pray for a life of ease, don't we? We get in the car and go on a trip, we pray that God would keep us safe. That the car wouldn't break down. We get no flat tires. We get from point A to point B just perfectly. That's just one example of how we pray daily for a life of ease. We pray for God's blessing every day. Am I saying it's wrong to do that? No, I'm not saying that. But we don't like hardship. We avoid it at any cost. And yet those are the very things that God often tries to use in our life to get our attention. Those are the very things that God's trying to use to speak to us. Those are the very things that God is trying to use to make us look right back at him again. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. In anger, frustration, disappointment, we'll, we'll miss what God is trying to do in those circumstances. I don't know about you, but maybe we just need to say, Lord, speak. And respond as we see in the Old Testament, for thy servant hears. God, speak. I'm listening. God, speak. I'll do what you want me to do. God, speak. And just make it a point. Make it a commitment 
to listen to what God is trying to say. And then once we know, respond in obedience. Let's pray.